0: E.G. Marshall. They say one of the hardest things for an aging actor to do is to retire, to give up the stage once and for all time. Unlike most jobs, one does not simply work at acting. One lives it. It's part of your days and nights, even when you're not performing. It's in your blood, and even, I would say, in your soul. Today's mystery concerns one such man. One such actor. Mother, uh, where is your husband? My... Your
1: husband. My stepfather.
2: I don't know. Uh,
1: Will he be late? It's quite late already.
2: He may not get back until morning.
1: Not till morning. Well, it can wait.
2: What do you mean?
1: I'd like him to be the first... uh, to find your body...
0: Our mystery drama, Return and Engagement, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by James Agate Jr. and stars Fred Gwynn. I'll be back shortly with Act One. great genius of the theater who left us more excitement, more love, more mystery, more knowledge of man, once wrote, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. Such a man was Roy Rayburn, actor from his toes to his fingertips. For 25 years, he was the leading man on the American stage. And nine years ago, he dropped completely out of sight. That is, until this very moment. There he is, unmistakably Roy Rayburn, walking alone in the rain across the bridge that spans from New Jersey to New York. His collar turned up, cars zooming by. I shall kill her, outright,
1: and not blink an eye. (laughs) Why, I can smile and murder while I smile. I said those words as Gloucester and Henry VI. Outright, Gertrude, quickly. You won't suffer the way you've made me suffer.
3: Hey, yo! Hey, buddy!
1: You thought you could marry him and have me put away? Lock me up in an asylum?
3: Hey, buddy, you want a lift? Come on, come on, you're holding up traffic. What, are you crazy walking across the GW Bridge in the rain? You want to get killed or something? Hey, you kidding? Is that pajamas you got on under your coat? You, uh... You weren't going to jump off the bridge?
1: I wasn't. You wasn't? Definitely not.
3: Anything I can't stand in this day and age when everybody's got something to live for is for people to stop living for uh,
1: There are circumstances when you think your life is over. Uh, I I can understand that.
3: Your life is over while you're living?
1: While you're living. People have disappointed you.
3: Ah, oh, come on now, Jack. You're not going to tell me a little disappointment makes a guy a suicide take your life? You only got one life, you know.
1: Oh, I agree. I, I could never do it. I've i've got too much left undone too much i want to do have got to do so no matter how unhappy people have made me I... that's
3: the right attitude pal too much to live for hey you want to know something i saw you walking on a bridge see i thought you were one of them see one of them uh attempted i did honest you jump off this bridge something chronic I mean, here's a guy walking along in the rain with an old overcoat over his pajamas. What's the guy going to think?
1: Maybe I didn't have the bus fares, and I had to get across the river.
3: Yeah, sure, that's possible. Anything's possible. But whatever it is, you better get yourself some
1: clothes, because
3: the cops are going to run you in.
1: Well, I I do appreciate your advice. It's been very helpful.
3: No sweat. I'm what they call street smart. No education, P.S. 189, and that was it.
1: Ah, you do all right. Uh, what time do you make it?
3: Uh, six o'clock on the nose. I'm going up to the Bronx. I generally get there in time for dinner. It's a long trek to Jay-Z every day, but it's worth it. We live right under the Whitestone, you know? Hey, that's beautiful. Okay, Jack, I'm making a turn on the ramp here. I'll let you off. That's Riverside Drive down there on the right.
1: Oh, I know. I'm an old New Yorker.
3: Okay, then. So you know. Uh, listen, pal, don't do anything I wouldn't do.
0: Yo. Hey, you.
1: You can't sleep here. It's against the law. What no. Look, uh, uh, on a park bench? Since when? We'll let you do it at night, but days, you better keep moving. Uh, who are you? Telling me I can't close my eyes here. Look at you, you. Filthy, disgusting creature! (laughs) You'd better beat it before I call a policeman. I am a policeman, (laughs) and I'm Sherlock Holmes. Take a look at this. Oh, badge. Uh, Say, you are a policeman. Uh, Why are you dressed like that? Undercover squad. So, if you don't mind, on your feet. Well, uh, it it uh, it was an experiment my being here, and I and I don't seem to be the worse for it. What experiment? uh i thought to myself last night i wonder what it's like to sleep in central park i looked out of my window up there on fifth avenue and i see these poor chaps trying to get a comfortable night on a bench or behind a rock so i just slipped this coat over my striped pajamas and came out uh, you probably were wondering why i was wearing these pajamas you'd better move along goodbye sir uh, and this coat of course belongs to one of the servants Pretty ratty, wouldn't you say? We have a lot of vagrants in the park these days. Can't permit that. Uh, uh, Couldn't agree with you more, officer. Well, uh, goodbye to you. That's what I said to you. Goodbye. Uh, Oh, I thought I might sit here a bit longer, uh, enjoy the sun, uh, watch the birds. I'm afraid you can't. Unless you've got some identification. Uh, no. Um actually walked out of my house last night without a thought about identification. Why don't I walk you to your residence? Fifth Avenue, you said? Yes, that that private house in the corner. You can see it quite clearly from here. All right. Let's you and I wander over there. Ah, that's most kind of you, officer, but uh, really it's not necessary. Let me be the judge of that. Well, if you insist. (laughs) Well, now, that is the darndest thing. Would you believe it? I came out last night without my key. Did you not? It was all a spur-of-the-moment thing, you understand? To sleep like a bum on a park bench. This house doesn't look occupied. Hmm, doesn't it? What would you say? Lower windows on the Fifth Avenue side being boarded up? Hmm, That's right, officer. Um, Well, you see, we keep them that way, my mother and I. Uh... Now, you may leave me here. I'm safe. I'll just go down those stairs, servants and delivery entrance. I'll ring, and they'll let me in. Looks like that iron gate to the basement is padlocked. Are you sure you live here? Padlocked? Mm. Oh, dear, of course. I completely slipped my mind. I let the servants have the day off, and they like to get an early start. Is that so? Your servants have the day off. That's correct. In in, in fact, the whole week off, I'm loaning them to my stepfather who lives on the island in Sands Point. He's giving a big party. Needs some extra help. Your stories are beginning to confuse me. I thought you said you all lived here. Uh, some of the time. Most of the time it's Long Island. I think if you don't mind, you'd better come along with me to the station house and
3: explain it to the lieutenant. But I have nothing to explain to him, uh... Don't even know the man. Well, just tell him what you've been trying to tell me. That you live on Fifth Avenue, you sleep on a
1: parked bench, you have no key. The house you say is yours is boarded up. No. I do not wish to accompany you, uh, officer. Uh, Take your hand off my arm. Get it off. Stop that man.
3: Stop him. Boy, that guy's got some punch. In my jaw. Stop him! <laughs> Something I can do for you? Uh
1: yes, that uh that pistol in the window.
3: Which one? Ah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I suppose somebody pawned it and Well, I was wondering if you were waiting for them to come back and redeem it, or if it was for sale. Uh,
3: everybody makes that mistake. I'm no pawn shop. This is Schmidt's den of antiquity. Antiquity. Antiques, we sell. I'm Helman Schmidt. The pawn shop is next door.
1: Ah, the three gold balls hang up there. Yeah, uh, next door. There you sell, here I sell. <laughs> ah, sorry, I've come in the wrong door. They're closed. Oh, they are. Yeah, uh,
3: illness. But no matter. The pistol you're expressing interest for is not in his window, it's my window. I deal in antiques, firearms, plicabra, small furniture. The pistol is yours. Uh, I'll get it out of the window. It's quite a collector's item. Uh, Uh, Are you a collector?
1: Of certain things, yes. I would say I am.
3: Here, take it. Examine all you want. Excellent specimen. Fine condition. It's not mint, but
1: fine. Mm, So it is. It fits my hand well.
3: Uh, an Authentic Japanese Nambu pistol. Very deadly weapon in its day, I'm told. Oh, you, you don't have to be that careful. It's not loaded. It's not loaded? Uh. Uh, look, if it's a loaded firearm you want, you better go someplace else, eh? Try some sporting goods store there. There are two or three of them a few blocks south of here.
1: Uh, no, thank you. Um, uh, Mr., um, Schmidt. Your... Ah.
3: Uh, Hermann Schmidt's Den of Antiquity. <laughs> it's a good name, eh? My wife thought it of.
1: Hermann Schmidt, uh, yes. Uh, do you... Do you have any knives or swords? A sword. Give me thy sword, Laertes. Nay, not a dull one. One that is Sharp.
3: A sword? Yes, I
1: think we... Exactly what I'm looking for. A sword in good condition, Herr Schmidt. Sharp. Perhaps the kind Hamlet might have used in a duel. Uh, Go on, Schmidt. See what you can
0: find for me. So, Roy Rayburn would like to buy a sword the kind Hamlet might have used. What does Roy want with a sword? To play a part in the play? Or a part in real life? Who is Roy after? Is he seeking to punish or revenge? Whether Roy Rayburn is bent on righting a wrong or repaying a debt, we shall find out when I return... People often ask me, if an actor always plays a villain, does that affect his life offstage or off-camera? I'd say no. For example, take Boris Karloff, one of the kindest, sweetest, most softly-spoken actors I ever knew. He was the monster in Frankenstein. On the other hand, I've run across a few actors who always played heroic, noble, courageous characters... But uh, in real life, you wouldn't like to know them. Now, Roy Rayburn doesn't fall into either category. His mind seems, uh, shall we say, a little disorganized. And that doesn't help when you're a performer. First it's a pistol, now a sword. What is Roy really after?
3: Uh, How about this uh, Japanese samurai sword? This is quite a history... It's massive, isn't it? Uh,
1: too big, I'm afraid, Dr. Schmidt. Uh, I'm not a doctor. Uh, please don't interrupt me. Um, I want to buy something to give my mother as a surprise. What about those over there, over in that corner, uh, against the wall?
3: Well, the, the firearms. Well, they're not for sale.
1: Uh, mind if I take a look?
3: Well, those are authentic 18th century. I got them at an auction came from the Raleigh Tavern in Williamsburg. And I plan to give them to my parents as a gift on their 50th anniversary. (laughs) They love all things.
1: Nice, nice, nice. Um, Did you say you were making a gift of these to your family? (laughs) What a coincidence indeed.
3: Yes, yes. But, I I mean, uh, there is so much here to choose
1: from. Uh, Couldn't I interest you in... uh... Didn't I tell you? I want these fire tongs for my mother. Good weight, too. Well, if
3: if I ever run into another set, if you give me your name, I'll I'll let you know.
1: Not the set. Just the fire tongs. But the the value lies in getting a matched set. I am not able to wait until you find another, Mr. Schmidt. And I do not want a set. Just the fire tongs.
3: Yes, I... You'll excuse me, but... uh, Please, now, uh, would you mind putting those back in the corner?
1: Oh, yes, I would mind, very much. Now, shall we get to business? I don't happen to have any money on me right now, but nevertheless, I do want these. I, I, I can't break this set, don't you understand? You don't seem to understand, Schmidt. These fire tongs please me. They will please my dear mother. Now, come. Do not make this difficult for me.
3: Yes... I, I I I don't know what this is all about, and I I, I don't want to know. I, I, please. Don't back away from me. I'm not going to hurt you. Help! Help! help someone! I'm being attacked! Help! Oh, I I
1: i I'm I'm very sorry, Mr. Schmidt, but my need is greater than yours. I hope I haven't hurt you too much. Very foolish of you, Schmidt. Ah, good. Still breathing. Ah, now for a little money—just enough from your cash box for my ticket. Merely a loan, shall we say? Now to wrap these fire tongues in the newspaper, and I'll be off. Oh, ah, the clothes. Uh, you won't mind. Uh, will you, Schmidt, if I borrow your clothes, old boy? I'll leave you my old coat and pajamas.
2: Yes, sir, where to?
1: Sands Point.
2: You mean Port Washington?
1: I mean Sands Point. Sands Point.
2: The Long Island never ran a train there. You go to Port Washington and then grab a cab.
1: Oh, yes, uh, of course. I've, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I've, I've got.
2: One way or return?
1: Uh, make it round trip. Uh, here's your $250.
2: That'll
1: be $550. $550? You've got to be joking.
2: Of course I'm not joking.
1: It's been two and a half dollars for years. What are you talking about?
2: Do you want a ticket or don't you?
1: What am I? Crazy? I paid $250 round trip out to the island just yesterday.
2: Mister, it hasn't been $250 for ten years. Now, will
1: you move along or pay? What is this?
2: You're holding up the line.
1: I'll tell you this. I'm not paying any 550 for a 250 round trip, so long, pal.
2: Hey, come back here. Officer, that man carried your package, he stole a ticket. Officer,
1: get that man.
3: Wow, look who finally made the station house. Mr. 5th Avenue Mansion himself. Uh, uh, what are you talking about? Welcome to the precinct.
1: Oh, got yourself a decent suit of clothes. I'm happy to see. Young man, I don't know you, and I am here at the request of the police due to a misunderstanding. You never met me before? Certainly not. Why should I associate with such looking people like you? Look at you. You ought to be ashamed, young man. Why don't you get yourself a job?
3: (laughs) Nice try. Don't you remember saying something like that to me in the park? And then when we went to your house on Fifth Avenue... And you had no key? And you socked me right in the jaw? I'm sure about
1: that. Officer, you, uh, you Lieutenant at the desk. you desk, do I have to listen to this man? Yeah,
3: I'm afraid you do, mister. I've been detailed to find out a little more about you, what you do,
1: who you are. Why'd you run off with a railroad ticket you hadn't paid for? It, it was a mistake. An honest mistake about the price of my railroad fare. You're very good at playing these games. Better than most. So, you and I have not met before, huh? Not unless you came into my shop to buy an antique. Oh, so you have a shop. Does it have a name? Yeah. Den of Antiquity, 22 Court Street. Now, that's a new one. You're also an antique dealer. Herman Schmidt.
3: Mr. Schmidt you wouldn't be able to prove that, some
1: identification... Uh, Here, look at these fire tongs. Just look at those, huh? Authentic in every detail. From the Roleye Tavern in Williamsburg. A great find, 18th century. Well,
3: I'm afraid we can't accept fire tongs as means of establishing identity. A driver's license, Mr. Schmidt. Credit cards. I'll, uh, I'll look. Perhaps you left your wallet in Central Park where you spent the night, huh? Come on, mister. Who are you? Uh, must have left my wallet in the other
1: jacket. Uh, Lieutenant, I think we better lock this man up until those fingerprints check out. Uh, I meant to say something about that. The, the indignity of that. Taking an innocent man's fingerprints before he knows what's happening. Routine procedure. Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait a moment. Here, here, my wallet. <laughs> Oh, look, look inside, Mr. Nosy Beard, the detective. Well,
3: this is something. This is really something. Take a gander at this, Lieutenant. He's Herman Schmidt, all right. That's what all those credit cards say. But look at this. There's 50 bucks here. 50. There is? I, I, I mean, there is. I could have told you that. Well, then what in heaven's name is all that routine with not paying for your ticket? You know, you guys make me so mad. I know what you're up to. You like to play games. Let's try the false arrest game today. All right, here. Take your wallet and your fire tongs and beat it, Schmidt. And if I hear another one of your games, you'll be very, very sorry. Now, get going. Taxi, Mister.
1: Uh, where do you go? Take you anywhere. Rosalind, Sands Point? Uh, 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 that's where I'm headed, Sands Point. Of course
3: you are. <laughs> You're
1: Roy Rayburn, the actor. Yes, yes, I am.
3: Well, get in, get in. Don't you remember me, Mr. Rayburn? Michael, the taxi man? I had this spot at the station for years. Remember? And then ten years ago, I gave it up and went to Florida to grow oranges. Oh, yes.
1: Uh, shall we go?
3: No, sure, sure. eh. Uh, Remember, I used to wait for you to come out on the midnight train when you were acting in New York. Take you home. Yeah, why so you did, Michael.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, my goodness, I'm falling down on the job. I should have taken that big package from you and put it in front like I used to when you bring costumes and things out. Yeah, I'm falling down on the job. Still the same big old house at the end of Sands Point Road? Oh, yes. How's the family? Your mother? I haven't seen her since I've been back. I only got back on Monday. <laughs> here I am with one of my old customers. Uh, turn left here. Oh, and I haven't forgotten. Are you in any shows on Broadway, Mr. Rayburn? Uh, not at the moment. You were always
1: working. You always had, uh, what do you show people call it? Engagements. <laughs> Actually, Michael, the word is used when you come back to do a revival of an old classic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you did a lot of old
3: shows. Shakespeare. Are you going to revive any of those? I've been thinking about a return engagement. Turn right here. By the lighthouse. Uh, Ten years, long time, but some things you never forget. Like when you got me a ticket to see you in Hamlet, right up in front in the second row. Yeah. And here we are. Say, is this place overgrown? Uh, Mr. Raven, if you don't mind my saying so, you could use a gardener. Those weeds. Well, look, um, for old time's sakes, can I uh, stop by one Sunday and clean up a little for you? I'll think about it, Michael. Are uh, you all right, Mr. Reblin? You're a little shaky there for a minute.
1: No, I'm fine. Fine. Uh, the old feet in the old driveway. <laughs> Funny feeling.
3: <laughs> uh, will you let me stop by and see what I can do? No charge.
1: Oh, no, no, Mr. Rayburn, I, c- I couldn't charge her for this cab ride, neither. That's very generous of you, Michael. Uh, hadn't you ought to be getting back? Oh, the dispatcher can wait. <laughs> You're an artist.
3: I'll never forget that hamlet of yours... I was so rooting for you and for your mother, the queen, doing that terrible thing to your father and then marrying your uncle. I never forgot.
1: And how hard it was for you to make up your mind what to do about it. How all occasions do inform against me. Yes. And spur my dull revenge. What is a man, if his chief good and market of his time, be but to sleep and feed... A beast, no more. Sure, he that made us with such large discourse, looking before and after, gave us not that capability in godlike reason to fust in us unused. Oh, I can understand that. That's how I felt down in Florida. Unused. How stand I, then, that have a father killed, a mother stained excitements of my reason and my blood, and let all sleep, while to my shame... um, To my shame, I I see...
3: Oh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Urban, your fire tongs fell out of the newspaper. Here you are. Here,
1: uh, wrap more up again. Oh, from this time forth, my thoughts be bloody,
0: or be nothing worth... how much more truth there is than poetry in the phrase, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. Here is Roy Rayburn bringing to life a character he once played on the stage. Whatever the motive, we don't know yet. But I suspect there is murder in his heart. Stay with us as we finally cross the threshold of this mystery when I return in a moment with Act 3. Roy Rayburn found the front door of his old house open. He walked in and locked it behind him. Hanging in the hallway was the black cape he always wore. His mark, his signature. He put it on. The house seemed darker than usual. Mother? Mother, where are you?
2: In here, Roy. Hello, Mother. Hello, son
1: aren't you surprised to see me
2: yes I am I'm very surprised Roy but I'm trying very hard to appear calm and and what not do anything which might excite you
1: oh (laughs) am I excitable mother
2: yes you know you are son. sit down
1: I think I'd rather stand funny isn't it son comes home after so many years how many i don't even remember
2: 5 years roy
1: 5 comes home and he and his mother are only able to make small talk <laughs> how are you hello sit down no thanks i'll stand <laughs> oh mother Mother, mother,
2: Well, put your bundle down, at least. What is it you've got wrapped up in that newspaper?
1: A present. How do you like it?
2: Oh, how very thoughtful of you. Now put them down over there by the fireplace.
1: They're quite valuable, I was told. Old American fire tongs.
2: I'm sure they are, but... You don't have to keep holding them because they're valuable, do you? Put them down and come sit here by me.
1: You're standing, Mother. When you sit, I'll sit. No. Remain standing. That's the way I last saw you, standing in the doorway. Waving to me as if I were just going somewhere, like like taking Hamlet on tour when they took me away.
2: We all hoped that it wouldn't be for so long.
1: You don't act surprised, Mother.
2: To see you here. Yes, I'm very surprised. I said so. I'm just trying to keep calm.
1: Trying to keep calm. And what is there about the presence of your son... ...in our old house that would make you uneasy, Mother. Would it be... uh, ...could it be... ...because you had him committed to an institution... ...and behold, he appears to have escaped? Hmm?
2: Roy, I wasn't the only one. Everybody felt you needed help. Now, we put you in Hilltop to protect you from yourself.
1: I know you did, dearest Gertrude. Mother... Queen. Murderous. I know you did. Put him away. He knows too much. Roy, listen to me.
2: You have so much wonderful imagination.
1: Yes, Queen Gertrude.
2: I am not Queen Gertrude. I am Gertrude Rayburn, your mother, not Hamlet's mother.
1: The name is the same, Gertrude. Uh, You must be the Queen.
2: You've always been able to project yourself completely into any world you chose. Yes, Roy, that's what made you the extraordinary
1: actor you were. uh, Were. Uh, Were, she says. Uh, Listen to the woman. Are. Not were. I'm still. I can still be, still can play any part they give me.
2: And you will, Roy...
1: But the treatment takes time. Ah, time, time. Uh, Two years. Five years. Seven. Whatever
2: the doctors tell us.
1: Are you here alone? Yes. Where is he? Who? You know who. The man you married in such haste. My stepfather. My uncle. Where is he? Out?
2: He's not here. I know it upsets you, Roy, so let's not talk about your uncle. Upsets me? Why
1: should he want to upset me?
2: Because he's your father's brother. And when I married him... Roy, please, let's not go into it. I I don't want it to start up all over again. How did you get away from Hilltop?
1: Walked out, Your Majesty, on my two feet. You are the Queen your husband's brother's wife. And, would it were not so, you are my mother.
2: Roy, please. Why are you taking that mirror off the wall?
1: Come, come, and sit you down. You shall not budge.
2: You're twisting my arm. You're hurting me, Roy. I'll sit. I'll sit.
1: You go not till I set you up a glass where you may see the innermost part of
2: you. Roy, son, listen to me. Your father died a natural death. He was not killed. He was sick and no one could save him. And yes, after a time, a long time, I did marry John, your uncle John, his brother. But that happens. I am not a queen. Your father was no king and your uncle is no villain. Repent what's past, avoid what is to come. Oh, my dear son, you're breaking my heart. What am I going to do?
1: Let me stay with you, Mother.
2: Oh, no, I can't.
1: Why? My uncle?
2: No, no. I'm not up to taking care
1: of you. When does he get home? Who? Your husband. My uncle.
2: I don't know exactly. Will he be late?
1: It's quite late already.
2: Well, he may not get back tonight. Business...
1: Not till morning. How very fortunate.
2: What do you mean?
1: I'd like him to be the first to discover your body.
2: What? Oh, Roy. Your poor mind.
1: You believe I'm mad? No, dear mother. It is not madness... I, I'm very tired. I, I want you to sit down in that armchair, Mother, facing the fireplace. Sit! That's better. I, I, I want you to look into the fireplace and remember your sins.
2: What are you going to do?
1: What happened to all the broken furniture, Mother?
2: I, I, I had most of it mended.
1: You're lying? There never was any broken furniture. You told them that so they put me away.
2: The doctor saw the broken furniture, Roy. I don't like talking to you with you behind me.
1: Can't I turn around? No. Face the cold and empty fireplace. I'm sure you didn't mean to destroy things. That's why you had me declared unbalanced. Mentally incompetent. Because I didn't mean it.
2: Uh, No. Put down those fire tongs, Roy. Think. Think. Don't do something you'll regret
1: until you die. You should have thought of that before you helped my father die.
2: It's not so. Roy, by all that's holy, I swear to you, your father was too sick to live. No matter what was done for him. How can you think I had anything to do with it?
1: You always liked Uncle John. From the very beginning, I I saw it as a child. But I
2: never would, never, never would When would've...
1: I kill you, dearest Gertrude... <laughs> Treacherous queen. They will shake their heads and say, Hamlet is no murderer. Poor soul. He is insane, not responsible. So will you perish, dear Gertrude, sometime, mother. But your son Hamlet shall be permitted to live on to a ripe old age.
3: Ripe! Break down the door. What? We know you're in there.
1: What? What? Who's? Was...
3: Come on, Roy. Open the door. Okay, Jim, Bob, you too, Michael. Give us a hand. One, two, three. Fan <clears throat> out to everyone. Uh, he's here. In here. Oh. Uh, gee, I, I'm sorry, Mr. Raymond. The, the police.
1: Hello, Michael. I, I didn't know you were one of the white coats. I, I, I thought you drove a taxi. Come along, Roy. It's time to go home. Huh. Uh, haven't we met before, in, in Central Park? Jim,
3: Bob, in here.
1: Now, who are these gentlemen dressed in white? Now, Roy, I want you to go along with these two gentlemen. Uh, you are an officer of the law, aren't you? We met this morning, did we not?
3: Yes, we did.
1: Uh, Twice. I asked because I w- w- want to talk for the record. You know I killed her. Was that wrong of me? I I, I killed her just now. I'm sorry to hear that, Roy. Uh, will she get a good burial?
3: I'm sure she will. Oh,
1: oh no. I I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I. I can't go like this back to the hospital. You see. You see. I, I'm not insane at all. Not one bit. What happened was, she had me committed, because I knew about her and my uncle, and she didn't want me to say anything. Do you understand? So I had to kill her. I. I. I, I had to. It was only justice. My life, or, or hers. Do you understand? Of course I understand, Roy. I was going to pretend I, 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 I was still insane and get off free. But I can't. But I can't. I, I killed her. I, I, I killed her. Roy, I want
3: you to go along now with Jim and Bob and put all this out of your mind.
0: Everything's going to be all right.
1: Oh, I, I couldn't do that. I, I have to die now. Uh, uh, don't. You see, I have to die now. I, I have to pay for what I did. Uh, p- put it out of my mind. Uh, I couldn't. I'd never have a, have a, have a moment's peace. I, I have to die, Horatio. I am dead, Horatio. Wretched queen. Adieu. You that look pale and tremble at this chance, that are but mutes or audience to this act. Had I but time, I, oh, I could tell you, but let it be. Take him out, boys. Let it be. Let it be. Goodbye, dear friends. Goodbye.
3: It's so sad and so terrible, officer. He seems so normal. How did you know? I've been following him all day. What was he talking about, killing someone? This place is empty. There's no one here. What is it that Shakespeare says? There's nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Roy Rayburn actually believed he did kill someone right here. And you can see those fire tongs made quite a few dents in the back of that armchair. But why would he do that in a deserted house? The men from the hospital say this is the third time in nine years Rayburn has given him the slip. Each time he comes right out here where he used to live, and each time he goes through the same ritual of murder. You mean his mother's not dead? No. No, she lives with her sister. Nine years ago today, his mother was going to remarry. Roy was one of the wedding guests, naturally. The ceremony to take place right here. And when the clergyman said, if any of you know cause why these two persons should not be joined together, come forth and declare it, Roy Rayburn came forward and said, I declare it. And then and there killed the man who would have been his stepfather. Not with fire tongs? No. Ran him through with the sword he used in Hamlet. Not long afterwards, Roy was committed. What an end to a great actor's life. Can we go back now, officer? My dispatcher will start getting worried.
0: One man in his time plays many parts. So it was with Roy Rayburn. The sorrow and uncertainty he acted as a young student Hamlet, Roy actually suffered in life. As Hamlet, his hands were tied with indecision. In real life, he played the part to the end. And had his revenge. What is that fine line between art and life, make believe and reality, between fact and dream, truth and nightmare? Is it true, as Hamlet himself says, there is nothing either good or bad but Thinking makes it so. So ends our tale of an actor who held the mirror up to nature, saw himself with motive, costume, and weapon, and believed he was the character he played. Our cast included Fred Gwynn, Ann Petoniak, Robert Dryden, and Court Benson. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.